Hello again, this is Casey Powell, President of Thompson Associates, and today we are, in today's podcast, we are going to continue our conversations uh, discussing estate planning red flags and pitfalls and things to look for and, and avoid in, in an estate plan. I'm joined today again by Bill Gustoff, President of, of the Legal Division at Thompson Associates. So, Bill, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Today we're going to talk specifically about non-probate assets and, and why those could be a red flag. And, and so when we talk about non-probate assets, you know, we, I feel like we really need to start with, what, number one, you know, kind of define those. What does that mean? But to, to get there, you know, can, can you just explain what a, what a plan is? What, what is the structure of a good estate plan? Yeah, so, well, as, as anybody who's been to any of our client seminars or, or as our own team knows, one of my approaches to thinking of a state plan is I, I, I built like a house with layers on top of layers. And so to me, a state plan begins with something as basic as powers of attorney. You know, you're alive making sure somebody, can, some, sure somebody can make decisions. And then we get to what everybody usually thinks of as the foundation, which is a last will and testament. Um, and so a last will and testament, at least, is the document where the the testator, the person who makes the will and ultimately dies, has taken control and said, I don't want my assets to go where the state code of where I lived at the time of my death says that they go. I want to take control and say who's in charge and where they go and who gets what, where, when, and how. And so that's kind of the basic structure of a very basic plan is to have you know powers of attorney so somebody can direct assets for you while you're alive and, power, and then a will that can direct assets for, your, for you to your heirs after you're gone. Okay, and and the so the the term probate is is simply the the term for uh, transferring assets, right? So so get, can maybe explain what what is the purpose of probate and, and how does that work? Yeah, so there's to probate. There's both purpose and process. So the purpose, uh, you know, the purpose is even though probate gets its bad name, I'm, and I'm not a huge probate fan, but uh, it does have its purposes. Uh, one is to primary purpose of probate traditionally is to protect creditors. If, if I've borrowed $10,000 from you, Casey, and, and you and I are the only ones that know about it, uh, it it's a process whereby it's, it's not fair for me to leave my assets to my kids to get faster cars and bigger houses and leave you holding the bag with something that you, you have a legitimate claim to for my estate. So protecting creditor interests is a primary purpose. And the other is changing legal title. If, if you want to buy my house after I'm gone, we're not going to hold a uh, you know, a seance and bring me back from the dead to sign a deed. So there, there's, it's a way of clear title to get assets from me to my kids or from me to you if you buy it from my estate. So those are purposes. And the process is just, oh, in a nutshell, it's your will, somebody brings your will in, an executor gets appointed or a personal representative, as we call it more and more these days, to oversee that administration of your estate. So it's a court-supervised process where your assets are collected, your debts are paid, and assets ultimately get distributed to your beneficiary, intended beneficiary with the stamp of approval of a court, and everybody knows that they have clean title that way. Um, it'll typically take nine to 15 months for an easy probate. It can go much longer if there's any fighting or anything like that. And studies I've seen suggest that probate will cost about three to eight percent of an estate, uh, depending on location and, and complexities of the estate. Well, and you know, kind of would talk about you know, people ask me all the time about. Probate. You know, why? Why? What's the purpose of probate? Why? Why? Why do you do that? And 
and I always come back to the fact that it's very structured and, and there's very specific things and and it's very careful that uh, you know it's, it's a very conservative process because as we talked in a previous podcast this is the biggest transfer of wealth that, that someone will ever do and, and biggest financial decision and the 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 authorities want to make sure that it's done the way that the person wants it to and so you know, we talked we, we talked in a previous podcast about you know self-prepared estate plans and, and some of the pitfalls and and the some of those pitfalls fall from this very reason is because the state wants to make sure that the person who passed away that that has these assets to pass to someone that it it's that their will is carried through that that, that their will is satisfied and it's what they're wanting to do and so there, that's why it's very specific and every asset has very specific rules and regulations on you know how that would happen and you know as far as that probate process so I always talk to people about that and yeah probate probate it's you got to cross your T's and dot your I's and but but there's a reason for that so uh, you know anyway yeah, I, I well, that's and that's why those that's why one of our red flags that we covered, as you said, was were the self done estate plans, and and where the red flag comes in on the non probate assets, you know, as the name suggests, we're talking about probate, but there are assets in your state that are not probate assets or non probate assets, and so um, those would be things like, you know, assets that you've already gifted, uh, maybe maybe one, un, not common, but a not an unusual example of that might be a. A piece of property where I I gave the remainder interest to my children and retained a life estate in it. Well, that's already that remainder assets already given away. If I then have a will that says I give that property to somebody else, it doesn't control it. It's a non-probate asset. It doesn't pass through the probate process. So that's what the that's what that refers to. Um, right. Other right. common examples of non-probate assets are um, things that have beneficiary designations. So life insurance, retirement accounts. Um, sometimes uh, certain stock or other investment accounts have payable on death or transfer on death de designations. Those are all things that pass by state, by state law according to the contract or other governing instrument. And it really doesn't matter what your will says about those as to who gets them. If the beneficiary designation doesn't match, that's what controls the beneficiary designation. So it can really mess up an estate plan big time if uh, if you know, somebody thinks they're leaving their assets equal to the three kids, but the child who's helping them out the most, they've named them as the beneficiary of everything, thinking, well, they'll just they'll just help by making gifts to their siblings or something. They can really mess it up. Um, joint tenancy is another example of a non-probate asset, probably one of the most common, along with the things with beneficiary designations, uh, joint tenancy. So an asset that's owned by my uh, husband and wife, for example, as joint tenants with rights of survivorship, uh, my law professor in, in law school, property law professor, used to used to refer to it as the the last standing survivor gets the whole bundle of sticks, mm -hmm. and so so you could have two, five, ten, twenty joint tenants on a piece of property, and as they drop off like flies, the last one standing owns the whole thing just by operation of law, no probate, nothing to do with that. In fact, anybody, any of the previous people to die of the joint tenants, their wills can't control what happens to that property because it's owned in joint tenancy, the joint tenant, surviving joint tenant or tenants get it automatically. And then another common non-probate asset 
kind of or non-probate category of assets that we deal with frequently in our in our work is, is something called a revocable living trust or some sort of living trust where assets are taken out of your name put into this holding receptacle called a trust and assets will pass according to the terms of the trust and and again your will your will doesn't control that uh, so if you have a will in that situation it's probably probably or should be a pour of a will that says anything I owned at my death in my name poured over into my trust you know as you're you're going you know as you're talking about all the different non-probate assets assets it it really it strikes me what a huge percentage of a lot of people's estates are non-probate assets you know the people that I that I know that you know, have a lot of life insurance. You know, maybe the you know younger families have a lot of life insurance, and so the majority of their wealth, their their net net worth, is in in uh, life insurance and in retirement accounts uh, that that people have that that are it, that's, that doesn't go through probate. You know, that's you've got beneficiary designations, and so you know, a lot of physicians that we work with, you know, sometimes up to 80% of their wealth, their net worth, is in retirement accounts. And very common to have over 50% in retirement accounts. So, so this is a big deal. And and so, we, you know, we've done a good job of identifying. But, you know, why are we talking about it as a red flag? Um, you know, in the overall plan, in the overall state plan, why is this this a red flag? Why are non-probate assets a red flag? Well, no, those two categories you identified there—the life insurance and the and the retirement assets—which, as you, those are perfect examples for why it's a big red flag, because. Uh, if, if I go through the hassle and the trouble of setting up a will or even a revocable trust that, uh, you know, I have young children, and I say, well, I don't want my children to get the assets until they are whatever age or ages, uh, that's fine. I can say that in my will or trust, but, but those documents are going to control only the probate assets or, in a trust example, the assets owned by the trust. Mm -hmm. And if, if I have a life insurance policy that I took out when I was young, and had fewer kids, and I chose kind of the default beneficiary designations. Oh, I choose my spouse, and then I'll just leave it to my heirs per stirpes is the you know, common phrase. And I never changed that. I may have all these great trust provisions in my will designed to protect my kids from bad spending habits and, or as Jason Meredith and our company likes to say, the, the debt creditors, predators, in-laws, and outlaws <laughs> that yeah. – uh, but if, if I left the life insurance proceeds or the retirement account assets directly to those beneficiaries, I don't care what the trust provisions say. Those don't control that asset anymore. They're, they're in the hands of a, of a child who can have all those assets when they're 18 or 21, depending on what your state law says, and they can do whatever they want from the shiny red sports car to the big round-the-world round trip. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, I think, so I think the, you know, the word that keeps – popping in my mind here is, is coordination. You know, yes. The, are, are those non-probate assets coordinated with your will or your revocable living trust? Uh, do do they, they work in concert? Because uh, I know a lot of times that you know, we work with people and we say, well, what, what, what plan do you have right now? Oh, I've got a will that leaves everything to my spouse, and then after we're both gone, it's 50-50 to my two kids. Oh, okay, yeah. great. And then and – then, and then we kind of dive into it. So, well, you know, if, you know, roughly, you know, what's your state worth? And when we get to that conversation, and they say, oh, you know, whatever. Let's just say, let's just say one million dollars, because the math is really easy. <laughs> so, we'll say one million dollars. Yep. And 
and uh, then then okay great so you've got that and, and but but then it, it quickly gets into as we start diagramming out what is that composed of oh I've got a house I've got some life insurance and I've got retirement accounts and well how's your house titled oh it's it's in both of our names and okay so who are the beneficiaries of your of your life insurance of course it's the spouse and then the retirement accounts the spouse is primary well who's who's secondary um, probably our kids, you know, and so that's, you know, that, and that's where we get into, and that's the red flag, that's what we want to talk about is that, that, that make sure people understand it has to be coordinated uh, with, right. everything has to be coordinated and, and there is a flow of, you know, assets when, when someone passes away and it, it, we just have to make sure that's coordinated. Yeah, I would say easily, I don't have numbers on it, but easily the majority and more than a, more than a majority of the estate plans we review have at least some non-probate assets that are not properly coordinated with the estate plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when I when I first started uh, as an attorney, and, and I would get someone to come into my office, and we you know they wanted a will. You know, the first thing I would talk about is, well, what do you have? What are your you know how much do you have? How much is your assets? And and I was just looking for the number. I, and I, I really didn't break down into what those assets were, and based on whatever their net worth was, I would put them in a, a certain plan. And you know, it, we were good. I mean, we had, we were a pretty good firm, and that's that's how we did it. And and we just didn't spend as much time coordinating those non-probate assets with the the, the last one testament or the the revocable living trust, and you know, making sure that everything flowed together. So right. Well, pe people generally don't want to pay for an attorney's time to do all that kind of hand-holding. So that's really that's really value-add that people like who work in development offices or organizations like Thompson Associates, the, the pe people who, who aren't being paid by the hour um, can help bring a value-add to people to help provide that service and just make sure things are coordinated. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. And so, so Bill, is there anything else that you, you you can think of you want to you talk about with the with the, the red flag of non-probate asset? No, I think that covers it. As you said, coordination is the big issue, and that's where that's where things get messed up all the time. All right. Well, well, thank you for, again for your your time and uh, expertise and wisdom and knowledge. We we've, we've learned something. <laughs> thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>